Hey there, and welcome to You Talk. It's a program dedicated to diversity, highlighting native-born and new Canadians' cultures and experiences. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. Merchandise trade between Canada and Brazil totaled $7.7 billion in 2019. With the top Canadian merchandise exports, including fertilizers, machinery and parts, mineral fuels and oils, and aircraft and parts. With so much money involved, there are many that work to establish the connections between businesses in Canada and Brazil. Paola Sad is one of those individuals. A member of the Brazilian community herself, she travels between her office in Toronto and Brazil to establish these partnerships and helps government organizations along the way. So my name is Paola Saad. I am, um, well, I have a company that's called Mandala Group. And with that, we do international business development um, and trade missions, um, working mostly with government and small companies. And the other component that we have is we do market research. Um, and the last one, which is my favorite, we do international events. So we do conferences in different parts of the world for different clients is like, a lot of uh, Africa, South America, then Europe, um, like Canada, US, so different places, which is really my favorite part. It's not what makes money in the company, uh, you know, but uh, international business development and trade missions, uh, you know, it's mostly what we do. And uh, we specialize in something called matchmaking, but it's not love matchmaking, it's company matchmaking or business matchmaking. And so basically the, I'm well known to be a good matchmaker for companies and leading to trade missions. So that's my gift. Um, and I also work with a company called BBA, Banking Book Analytics, I'm the chief commercial officer. And that's a startup. Two years ago, they started. It's very exciting to be able to help a startup as well. And I have a couple of uh, vol- you know, volunteer positions. I uh, past president and uh, executive director for the Brazil Canada of Commerce and the chair for the program advisory committee for Centennial College for international business. And, you know, those are the main ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you keep yourself really busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> well, of course, you need something that, you know, sparks your passion and just gives you a drive to want to come into work every day. But that's it. Like I, people are like, oh, you do so much. And I'm like, I love everything I do. It's really hard to give up one thing of, or the other. Like I'm, I'm just happy doing what I do. I, I get overworked sometimes, obviously, but it's just so nice to think that you're helping a, a company in moving into a new country and find them the right connections, not only for selling, but setting up companies and just understanding the industry on the ground. And even talking to those companies and understanding their business, because you become the company while you're doing this job, you know, and uh, and it's it's pretty awesome that you can do that. And last year, uh, well, not last year anymore, 2019, I did a lot of extremely interesting projects, traveling a lot around the world. And uh, it's it's just very exciting. You're exhausted. okay? but, you know, it's very exciting. Like we took Cavendish and uh, a couple of other companies, Port St. John and one more to Brazil. And then I'm traveling the whole country with, you know, representing Cavendish with this, you know, with their Latin America person. And uh, okay, we're like one day in each city and like, okay, we have five minutes to go to the beach and have a coconut and take a picture. <laughs> and then we have, oh, 
Literally, I'm not joking. <laughs> and uh, but it really is exciting to do that and 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 open a whole new market for this company. So, um, I likely like at this point probably definitely around 850 companies, 900 companies. Right, I've taken on such you know uh, missions back and forth and anything in and out of Brazil and out of Canada. And it's it's so awesome too when you hear, okay, this company has established and they're making money and their technology is really helping the local economy where they are. And it's it's really exciting. Like for me, it's really exciting like to feel that you're contributing in some way. Yeah, you like you said, you really do have a knack for matchmaking in business. What is it that they say? Once you've done a thing a thousand times, you're considered a master of that craft? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's it's pretty cool and i love people and i love talking to people and learning about them and learning about the company so the whole time it really is um an exchange you know that's how i feel i feel it is an exchange more than anything mm-hmm. so what first attracted you uh to this business how, how did you kind of get involved in this whole aspect of working with companies and you know helping establish them and connect with uh, others um mandala region started as uh, sort of a PR events company and uh, and it just took a life for its own in a way. So it was just a, I was doing an event here in Toronto. Somebody from the Canadian consulate was here. Um, I think it was 2008 when matchmaking wasn't even a thing. Um, and then, you know, some province was going to Brazil. They needed someone to book a couple meetings for these two companies and do a, a like a list for this event because they had this big, boat from Canada going to Brazil the first time. Um, so they asked me to do it and I'm like, okay. And uh, what I found out is that even though I moved out of Brazil like 30 years ago and moved to Toronto in 1990, um, I still had a lot of connections. So everything was about three phone calls away to find out what I need. And, and uh, it's not, it was not, it's never easy, you know, but in terms of um, the methodology, it turned out that it was, you know, if you do things in a certain way, and honestly, it has everything to do with the way you talk to people, how open they are, and cultivating, you know, past relationships with no agenda, really, because, you know, you, and then one day you're like, oh, my God, I know that person that, you know, works in the ministry now that I met in this party that can help me get this meeting for this client. So things just, they, they just click, 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 you know, and then it just happens. In, and uh, and it's pretty awesome when that, you know, and in general, it works. Um, it's just a matter of knowing which channels you're going to take and and, uh, and really, you know, being nice to everyone, like, and, uh, and knowing when to overstep people, you know, like a CEO of a company, I can't get over, like, past their three secretaries. And I'm like, no problem. I'm like, LinkedIn, so <laughs> you through secretaries, the whatever Canadian person is going to Brazil and I can't get through them. And uh, can you just do me a favor and answer this if you're interested in meeting this person because I need to know. So I'm very upfront. I'm always very upfront. And they're like, oh, sure. Here's my cell phone. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds and, like and a key always- skill is uh, adaptability. Yeah, you have to be a doggo and you just have to be, you put yourself in other people's shoes. That's what I always do, you know, and uh, and believe that you're doing what you're doing. is It's really a win-win situation for both sides, unless you're dealing with a huge company like Petrobras. Then it just bowl your way in, 
nicely. <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about the, um, you know, how exciting and thrilling it can be working in this industry. What are some other uh, exciting uh, parts or, or challenges when working uh, in international business? Cross-cultural communication is a big deal. Um, so I always, is one thing that I always um, try to work on both sides is how, uh, you know, business culture works and what the expectation is um, and and really preparing them because it's such a different culture. Um, well, not anymore, it's COVID, but before Brazilians are very touchy and I don't even know when I moved to Canada how people could bear to be around me because I'd be like, I'll be talking to people like, hey, how are you? I have to be touching all the time. If anyone does that to me now, I'm like, oh, just stay away. <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, Brazilians are very touchy. So I have to teach people about like the shake and roll, you know, people like shake and then they pat you in the back and they like, you know, walk down the corridor. And I'm like, and Canadians are like, like this. They're like, oh my God, don't touch me, right? Like Brazilians are touchy. And, you know, you meet, you know, a girl meets a girl is like two kisses or three kisses or one kiss, depending on the province, you know, and guys is the same and guys themselves shake and they pat in the back. And so those small things and how to dress and how to stay alive, you know, like, <laughs> well, you know, I had this trade mission from um, Morocco going to Brazil. And it was an artisan and there was some big guys from the government as well. So, and there was one person with them, like a local Aisha, uh, Moroccan. And I'm like, I'm not even staying in the same hotel as people. Cause I'm like, I'm going to kill them. You know, I'm like, do not go out of your tell. There's like protests on the street, literally at that time, every day. Like you cannot, don't pull up your phone, don't wear a watch, you know, don't step out of your hotel if possible. Like, I don't want to lose anyone here, you know, especially if they're wearing like the tunic instead of wearing a suit or just, you know, when they really look like foreigners. And in Brazil, you stand out like a sore thumb. So with things like that, um, it, it, it can be really challenging as well when uh, Canadians are not like that. But, you know, and other things like keeping meetings and keeping people on time, uh, again, the cultural aspect of it and even explaining like, okay, if you go for lunch with a Brazilian company, it's a big deal. They're inviting you for lunch. They have to wait for them to bring up like business. And it's not going to be to the end of the lunch when you're having coffee that they're going to bring out, you know, they want to learn about you before doing business with you, which is kind of Middle East is the same idea. So have, you know, explaining those things in, you know, logistic terms. And if um, the delegates are non-Canadian, you know, any other culture almost really, um, that respect to the norms of the local. It, it's a, that's a, for me, it's a big challenge. Uh, the matchmaking side, of course, when, before you go, it's huge, especially because people cancel and you have all those, those things, but you have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable. Uh, you really have to, choose your battles and because you're dealing with people so you know I, like i try to be happy all the time that's my nature sometimes you want to kill them and i actually tell them no you're right now but uh the challenges are more like really interpersonal and and cultural more than anything else for me you know in doing those things when it comes to matchmaking and, and trade missions when it comes to events is a different only crazy people do events. So it's a whole different uh, ball game. Like, um, you know, in events, 
everything will happen. Like, like I was doing an event at the Copacabana Palace for this um, German company. And we had this higher designer and like a lot of money making this room beautiful for like 40 people for five days. And, and then the designer and the guy that was implementing the design, which was supposed to look like a big um, cell, you know, and how like like different cells, this was almost like a mirrored way. They didn't get along. And I walk into the room and it looked like it was really like a really cheap carnival ball. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going you know? on over here? And I'm like, I'm like, um, you know, right, take everything. Like, I don't want to hear anything. Just take everything down, leave just this part. And I'll come back at six o'clock in the morning. And this is not ready. There'll be a lot of trouble. And, and people flew from like 25 different countries to be there. And you know, it has to be well presented. They're paying a lot of money. You're in the best hotel in Rio at that point, and you expect certain things. So, when you do events, stuff happens. Stuff breaks. It stuff doesn't work. Uh, people don't show up. Um, so it's a different set of um, challenges that you have when you do events. You know, when you compare it to trade missions. Of course, yeah. It's uh, it's more of a sh- like you're showcasing things. Like it's a celebration. Yeah. And everything has been time and it, it's a lot of moving elements, you know, um, that you're working with. But it's, again, I think it's a lot of fun. You know, some people just think, oh, my God, how can you take the stress? I'm like, I love it. So, so uh, tell me a little bit about your work at the Brazil-Canada Chamber of Commerce. The Brazil-Canada Chamber of Commerce, BCCC, um, well, both chambers uh, really started at the same time. The, here, the one in Canada, the one in Brazil. Um the CCBC and BCCC, uh, and I've been sort of volunteering with them and working actually in some projects in the beginning since I think it was say '95 for a long, long time, um, and always been very um, excited about Brazil-Canada relations. Um, even when China was a big thing before Brazil being the big thing in uh, 2012 to 15, 16 that we had, um, and they have a lot of in common as countries. There's about 6 billion in terms of trade between the countries. Mostly, um, I think almost four uh, is Brazil exporting to Canada. Um, there's a lot of investment between both countries. So pension funds invest in infrastructure in Brazil, companies like Motorentine and Valley and 3G who owns like Tim Hortons and Burger King, et cetera, et cetera. It's a Brazilian company as well. Um, so there's a lot of investment. In terms of investment, there's less Brazilian companies investing in Canada, but I find the investments are bigger. In Brazil, it's really a lot of infrastructure um, and a lot of Canadian companies actually in Brazil. Um, So some of the areas will be um, education, um, aerospace, uh, ICT is huge. Um, Metals, um, both countries have really, really developed uh, mining industries uh, on both sides, agriculture, agri-tech. Um, so there's a lot in common between those two countries. And, um, and I think trade has been historically going up and investment has been going up. Um, of course, right now there is some, with the present government in Brazil, um, they are doing an excellent job there, but there are concerns, I guess, with the, the Amazon and um, 
some points where the government is is uh, really not uh, too concerned. Um, the, pres the, the president we have right now, uh, Bolsonaro, he's very aligned with Trump still. <laughs> and uh, so that's the rhetoric you have in Brazil right now, which really doesn't jive with certain uh, Canadian values. Let's put it that way. But um, the Brazilian um, diplomatic relations between Brazil and Canada in general are quite good and trade relations are quite good. Um, and I could see through through these years how um, it's getting more and more sophisticated. Um, you know, EDC has offices in Brazil, for example. They actually lend to Brazilian companies and they secure uh, Canadian companies' investments in Brazil. So th there is a lot of interest in Brazil. Canada has, what, 38 million. Brazil has about 210, um, a little more than that now. So it's a huge market. It's a really hard market to get into, but it's a huge market. And uh, now um, with Mercosur, um, the the new FTA for Canada um, that they're negotiating, I think that's very exciting. Uh, the total is with 281 million people they're going to have access to. Um, I was the first witness in the parliament to to you know where they interviewed to talk about this, and we had meetings with uh, Mr. Champagne before that, and then after with Minister Carr. Um, so it's really um, nice through the BCCC, the Brazil Council of Commerce, to go and be part of this um, sort of high level um, access and view of what is really happening uh, between the two countries. And to facilitate that is very rewarding as well, you know, where we're facilitating, you know, creating government and um, Brazilian government and executives and in a ways that um, sometimes governments can't do, you know? So somebody from outside can do, but they are like, you know, sometimes they are in a structure that they can't do it. Um, I had this uh, very interesting um, trade mission once. Um, it was the four provinces of Atlantic Canada going to Brazil. It was called the CAP mission. Um, and uh, it was like, it was huge. It, it had like, about 200 people, um, over 50 companies, plus government. And um, about two weeks before the mission, and it was like super, super stressed because it's like one of the biggest projects I've done. And like, I have, was 276 meetings in the end with seven different cities with the drivers and the translators. And, and then um, Brazil finds out that uh, Canada, US, and I think Australia or something was, we were spying in the Ministry of, in the ministry of Mining, which is, Apparently it happened, and uh, but it came out, and so all the government things stopped. We didn't. We had this like we call the lobster lunch, so we have about three hundred people. We have chefs from Canada making this lobster lunch at this fancy hotel to showcase the lobster from Atlantic Canada. That was the first time it was coming into Brazil as food and not live animal, and not one person of the government was there. And at that point, you know, the ambassador had been called in to the Minister of Foreign Relations in Brazil. They canceled whatever celebration. And I'm totally freaking out. And I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, we couldn't get a governor to be there, which is, would be the right thing to do. But at that point, I called a friend of mine who was, it was like second in the government in Sao Paulo. I called his wife. And it's like, I'm like, you know, I'm going to need your husband. Can I call him? <laughs> like, sure, he's a member of his secretary, you know, like, and this is his cell number if you don't can talk to her. 
and they came from a funeral because in Brazil, like someone dies and, you know, the funeral is right away, like it's hours after the next day. And they came from a funeral to the lunch and he didn't speak English. So I put him on the table with, with the ambassador who was amazing, uh, Jamal. Um, and the, the, the premiers and he was there for not so long, but it sort of saved the lunch, you know, and it was because I could do something that, you know, you, you could not go through official channels to do at that point. Yeah. Your connections and interpersonal relationships with yeah. the people. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't call up and say, even they did the, the person, even if the governor wanted to be there, which I know he wanted to be there, he couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Because through through those channels, because you know they were in the middle of this, you know you are spying my ministry, you know <laughs> kind of thing. So, so there's some things that you can do outside government that you know government itself cannot do just because of the way it's the structure is. Yeah, yeah, you have a little bit more flexibility and freedom there. Exactly, you don't have as much pull, but you definitely have more flexibility. Paola loves her community in Toronto and loves what she does. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk, and have yourself a good one.